Welcome to Mainstream Modular, a podcast presented by Gurdon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mainstream Modular, a podcast from Gurdon. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We're thrilled to have you along here today. Today's episode is titled An Architect's Open Source Conversations on Modular, and we're going to be diving in a little bit deeper on Modular with an architect here today. We are pleased to welcome to the program Matt Lassay. He's a principal at Jackson Maine Architecture. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tyler. Happy to be here. Excellent stuff. Yeah, we're, we're pumped to have you on, Matt. This is this is really, really great. And we were talking before we went live on the podcast about soccer and lots of other things. We'll spare everyone else the details, but Matt and I have a lot in common when it comes to uh, some of our interests away from modular construction. But Matt, let's kick things off today just uh, by talking a little bit more about Jackson Maine Architecture and your role there. So just give us some background and some details on you. Yeah, so uh, I'm a principal of Jackson Maine Architecture. I've been with the company since 2015. My career in the past also was with some other larger firms that included a lot of mixed use work around the world, actually. So worked and lived in Russia for three and a half years, spent a lot of time in the Middle East working on those same sort of mixed use projects. Got interested in housing many years ago and um, very much had a passion towards how do we house our, our communities and, and provide that for folks because it really is a problem. Got into modular through that Jackson, Maine, as as we've been doing it at Jackson, Maine for about 15 years. So when I joined, it was something new. And hey, there's a there is another way. There's a better way, as easily as we can say another way. But it, it really got my intrigue and and uh, pulled me in. And and even to this day, I'm still learning learning and and advancing that opportunity with volumetric modular. What was it specifically about housing that that maybe piqued your interest, just in terms of finding places for people to live and, and things like that? Kind of dive a little bit deeper into that because that that's really interesting to me. Yeah, I think it's a combination of having lived overseas, you know, we were expats in, in a foreign country and, and seeing how housing was always, no matter what was going on, housing was always available. And then returning back to the U.S. and noticing the uh, housing housing issues and, and just the difficulty of, of finding housing. I, I work in Seattle, one of the more expensive markets in the country, and I see that problem almost on a da- daily basis of, of the homeless, but, but really it, it falls on those that just don't have the means to, to live in their own neighborhood and live in their own community. They have to you know, commute sometimes 20, 30 minutes, maybe even up to an hour, and just because they need a place that's affordable to live. And so many of the the communities that, that I'm involved in are, are tens of thousands, and even with Seattle specific, hundreds of thousands of housing units behind in providing the, the kind of housing that they really need to support the community. So hmm. it's just something that I, I think about every time when we do a project is how can we make sure that these are good livable spaces because people need places to live. Absolutely. I think that's really well put. And I really, I really like how you explained that. And so, you know, Matt, one of the things that, that we wanted to talk about here is that Jackson Maine Architects has been a champion of modular construction for a while now. What is it about modular construction specifically that, that's so appealing from your perspective and, and from the perspective of Jackson Maine? So we got involved in it through Gurdon back in about 15 years ago, doing some work camps in, up, in, up in Canada. And uh, one of our other partners just saw that as a way to to really you know explore alternative methods for for delivering construction. You know we've been doing construction the same way for the last hundred years. It would seem that you know with all the innovations we have in the world, you know if you think about things that have been invented in the last hundred years, you could say automobiles, you can say you know computers, phones. We've gone to the moon, <laughs> all those sorts of things. Yet we still build architectural projects the exact same way. So really, Jackson Maine, even before I was with the firm. Saw that as a way to, you know, modular as a way to do something different and and bring some value. That's really something that we we look for as well as how can we provide value to our clients. 
And affordable housing is obviously something that means a lot to you personally, uh, as you talked about earlier, but also to Jackson, Maine as well. In fact, in 2019, you were an Ivory Innovation finalist for your uh, work developing modular prototypes for affordable workforce housing. Talk to us a little bit about that and how that is a value that's really kind of intrinsic to to the firm. Yeah, so Ivory, uh, the Ivory Innovations Prize was something that we, we were pleasantly surprised with because it wasn't like we were out searching for hey, let's go win an award. And, and the finalists in that group, and if you look back, is, are some real innovators in the industry. And so what we were really pursuing at that time was the Housing Development Consortium was looking at a, a Pilot 5 project, which was trying to put housing together for, for that very reason of providing it for the, for the workforce. And what we really wanted to pursue with that was how can we make that accessible to the industry? And whether you're a contractor, an architect, an owner, an engineer, looking at that open source methodology of let's share what we're doing. As architects, we tend to to keep things to ourselves and, and work with our clients and, and talk about intellectual property and, and those sorts of things. But we felt that was just just the, the the importance of housing is so important that we wanted to make sure that, that was out there. So the Ivory Prize was really a, a bit of a surprise and, and really pleased to be able to be a part of it and honored to be included in that same group. I really appreciate the the collaboratory nature that you take towards modular construction because, like you mentioned, architecture isn't always that way. But but this is something that that you all value because this is something that leans towards the greater good, right? Oh, absolutely. It takes takes everyone to do that. We can't do what we do without the engineers and the contractors and the owners and you know and the dollars, the investment dollars that go into it too. So being collaborative is something Jackson Maine really has at, at the core of its work. We we collaborate with a lot of different groups and and see that and again it goes back to providing providing the value to what's available and possible. So to that end, let's talk about some some best practices when it comes to to modular construction. You know, for developers who decide to try modular for the first time, they're wading into some things that uh, that maybe they're not quite aware of. So, what are some things that you think that developers should be aware of when they are trying modular for the first time? The first thing I'd say is, you know, be be wary of the of the headlines. You know, everybody wants to say, "Oh, look at modular. You can it's it's more efficient. It's it, you can build faster. You can it's higher quality." But you really have to look at it from a standpoint of it's not just those things, but it's it's more complex. It, it's not the same as as traditional building. You have to kind of remove yourself from that methodology and look mm -hmm. at it from a different perspective in design. And when I say design, I mean the whole process. Decisions have to be made much earlier in the process. You can't have the project under construction decide, ah, I want to change out all the sinks to something else, or you know what, I don't like those refrigerators. Let's get a different one, because it's all those decisions. All those decisions are made early in the process. The other thing for a developer to remember is that that financing for that work is, is a different process than you would for traditional. Usually construction brings on a, a process where you you get your construction loan or your bridge loan or whatever it is. And, you you know, and then the contractor starts the work and they submit a payoff and then we review it and they approve it. And it just kind of cycles up and up and up and up and it goes along the way. Well, with modular, that a lot of that financing has to be paid up front. You know, there's pre-orders, there's all the materials. Factory needs to have all those prepped and ready to go. So. A lot of times developers forget, don't, don't really know that process and they still think towards the traditional way and, and they don't, they don't, they aren't prepared for the, the, you know, paying 50% of the cost of your project before it's under construction. Mm -hmm. That's really not a, a mindset that they're used to. So that has to be accounted for. But really what I would say, you know, for developers, what it can do is if you're committed and your understanding of the, the things that you have to overcome, you really are bringing a superior product. You are bringing something that can, can be finished earlier than a traditional build and can have higher quality. 
That's really interesting. And so have you found that setting maybe some expectations and some some schedules up front, like you mentioned, planning a lot of things a, a lot further out ahead of time, th- that can make for a smoother process when it comes time for construction to actually happen. Adhering to that timeline and moving things up earlier is is beneficial down the road. It is. And, and the schedule is, is very critical. And, it, and it's not just a matter of the design schedule. It includes the contractor, it includes the owner and all those things. And when we put a schedule together, we typically include those in there so that they're, they're aware of what has to happen. They're aware of, of the milestones that need to be met along the way. Because basically what we're trying to get to is a clarity of schedule and, and how that comes together is, is really critical because you can start down the path and then fall into a, a habit of just responding and reacting when you really need to have that plan in advance. Hmm. I, I think that's I think that's well put. And when it comes to that planning phase, is it also important to then coordinate with the jurisdiction, you know, the powers that be in that particular area to make sure that that you have every all of your ducks in a row and everything in order the way that it needs to be done? Uh, yeah, the jurisdiction is the magic wand of the whole process. Most jurisdictions have have no experience in in modular or even just general offsite construction issues, so they don't really understand the idea that. The, the process is such that you have the offsite construction going on while there's other activities going on. So the permitting is, is bifurcated. It's, there's the, the state jurisdiction, which is approving the offsite work and the local jurisdiction, which is then responsible for the whole project, but, but really their, their scope of, of authority is within the stuff that's built on site. So there's, there's often just miscommunication on their part, not understanding. And, and how that comes together. And we've seen it several times on projects where the inspectors don't know what they're looking for when they come out on site or the plan reviewers are, are somewhat lost in, in understanding that a phased permit is almost is a necessity in the whole process. I think that's an important thing for, for people to be aware of and something to consider. Absolutely. And then let's talk a little bit about the design process as well and, and maybe how that can be collaboratory and the, the importance of working together, and making sure all parties are on the same page. Is that an important aspect of the design process? Very much so. One thing you'll find when you're doing a modular project, you, you, you know, nobody likes meetings. There's always, okay, I have to have another meeting. Well, we try to make those to be collaborative sessions. They're not really meetings, they're, they're work sessions. And they're focused because you're, you're working through the process of, of putting the design together. And at various points, you have to bring that together on the modular portions and then, and then merge it with the, the site built areas. So if you're working on a project, say it's a four story above a, a podium, you got to merge those things together. You got to have them align. Oftentimes too, you've got in a modular project, you're building the facade and the cladding, the site portion and your elevator overruns or your stair overruns and the parapets and those sorts of things. So you can't really work in a, in a vacuum when you're doing module. You've got to bring it all together. And that includes the factory. That's the co- general contractor. That's all the engineers and the owner. Everyone has to work together. There's no way to just do it in a, in a, in a vacuum. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. So Matt, can you share maybe some examples of successful projects that you've been able to, to, to be a part of and see come to fruition and, and maybe talk about what was successful, what helped make that project successful in your mind and, and some of the keys to that? Well, I think it's important to talk about a successful project is one that's finished. I think that's really what it comes down to. And every project has its challenges. We've got three projects that we've completed. One is Cubics North Park and Cubics Othello projects. And then there's an additional one, which I unfortunately can't mention right now because of, of other reasons, but I think everyone will understand. I think what happens really, the successful part of it is, is uh, or maybe, let me say, I think the, the part that 
helps me feel really satisfied with the work as it finishes is watching the set. When you're working in a modular project, you put all this time and effort into bringing them together and, and all the parties together. And then it really accumulates with seeing a you know 50,000 pound object flying in the air, dangling from a crane. There's nothing like having a set day. So, you know, you can say, I think every project that, that we've done is, is when it comes down to a successful, maybe I'm always looking at the, uh, the glasses is uh, half full mentality and it's, it's the shinier side of the coin. But I believe that, you know, it's the aspects of that project and the way they come together. A satisfied client really is, is what it comes down to. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. And I think the idea of a successful project is a completed project is something I should probably take to heart when it comes to my own list of things that I'd like to get done in my life, just in general. But we'll, we'll, we'll move away from that. So tell me a little bit more about uh, any resources that Jackson Maine has available for developers to help with the modular process. Do you have anything that, that people can use as resources to, to learn more about this? Actually, we do. And that goes kind of towards our open sources. On our website, we, we published a couple of videos showing the, the process and how those the, the projects that we've completed have come together. We're also putting out there a lot of different white papers and just short anecdotes of information for folks. The other thing is, is that we often get contacted by other architects saying, hey, I've got a project I'm working on, a client, I don't really know what I'm doing, which is okay. It's okay to say you don't know what you're doing at times. Can you give us a hand? And And I'm all for, again, helping out the rest of the industry because i think you know if 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 there's more work going on in the modular realm there's more opportunities for that housing to get built there's more opportunities for the solution to show itself in our communities so we often will take take in owners that will just say hey i'm interested in module i don't know what i'll do we'll spend an hour with them and kind of walk them through it and this is what you need to know architects will call and say i've got a you know i, I talked to one just a few weeks ago about a project in new york and i said look you just these are the things you need to be aware of and if you have trouble, there's there's resources out there. You know, the in, industry has lots of really good partners. You know, manufacturers, industry organizations, suppliers, they're they're out there. You could just gotta reach out to them, and they'll they're all happy to help because modular is a methodology that can can get us to where we need to go. It's a way to deliver projects of high quality in a faster timeline. I don't see it going away, and I and I only see you know really high horizons in the future. For my own curiosity, how have maybe some of the supply chain challenges of the last year and a half or so, has that had an impact? Have, have people maybe been looking towards modular in a different way as a result of maybe just some of the, the challenges in sourcing materials and that sort of thing for mm -hmm. traditional projects? Has, has modular become a more appealing option as a result? I think it's become more visible. I, don't, I think it always has mm -hmm. been an appealing option. The supply chain challenges that are happening in the general construction industry are happening for the modular side too. I mean, you still have to get wood, you still have to buy toilets, you still have to buy sinks, you still have to get countertops and you know drywall and all those sorts of things. Sure. So the, those can still be challenges because the price the price of those items can can really hamper uh, what your belief is. While modular, I believe, has a appropriate price point, it can be difficult in areas where the labor labor is a lot less expensive. Hmm. So you're looking at more urban environments, you're looking at larger cities where that that labor is is costly. And, and is a is a heavier burden on the construction costs. That's where modular really finds its footing from a cost standpoint for a developer. So a lot of times developers say, hey, I'm curious, it's the new shiny object. How can I go ahead and, and move forward with this? And we'll say, well, what you really need to do is look at what do you what is the cost implications? Because you may be able to still build your projects cheaper using the traditional methods, but you won't build them quicker. And and what we oftentimes go to a 
an owner who says, well, modular is 20% more expensive or 10% more expensive. I'm not sure what to do there. So, well, you're going to be able to open your project and lease up your project six months or nine months earlier. How much is that worth to you? It's a great point. And then they oftentimes start to open up their eyes and go, oh, wait, you're right. So maybe I have to pay a little more to get something better sooner. And it, and it pays itself off. In the time that I was going to take to get my project ready, I can actually have it open and operating and having income sooner. And that usually is the trigger point for them to say, okay, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? And who do I need to talk to? Really, really well put. I like that a lot. Matt, as we wrap up our conversation today, any final thoughts, anything you want to leave people with as it relates to the architecture and to modular construction? The floor is yours just for any final thoughts, anything you want to leave our listeners with? Oh, that's a that's great. That's a great one. I, I really enjoy what I do. Obviously, uh, I wanted to be an architect a long time ago uh, when I was a small, small child even. And so after 28 years of doing that, I just continue to, to love what I do. And I, and I love the idea of innovating. And I, I think there are so many opportunities out there to, to do things differently and do things better. And, you know, quite honestly, modular has got my attention because I, I really feel strongly that this is a way we can, we can solve some of our community's problems in a really effective method. It's not easy. It's there's there's lots of challenges. There are there are things that you just don't want to believe are the way it needs to be. And I'm sure at some point we'll we'll continue to make that make it more of an option. But as far as modular goes, if if you've got the right opportunity, you've got the right right piece of property, you you have a handle on on what you're trying to provide and what you want to build, it's definitely an option we recommend to our clients as many times as we can. Excellent stuff. Matt, where can people learn more about Jackson, Maine architecture as well? So you can find us at uh, www.jacksonmaine.com. We also have Instagram and, and Facebook, but you can reach out to us through those methods and through those channels. Excellent, excellent stuff. Make sure to reach out and learn more about Jackson, Maine architecture, as well as going to Gurdon's website. It's GurdonModularBuildings.com. Our guest today, Matt Lassay. Matt, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast and discussing all things modular with us. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, thank you, Tyler. And thank you, Gurdon, for the opportunity. Uh, I really appreciate it. Excellent stuff. Everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mainstream Modular. We appreciate you joining us for another episode of the show. Stay tuned and stay up to date with the latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or of course, by going to Gurdon's website to learn more. And like I said, stay up to date because we are going to be back soon with new episodes of the show. But for my guest today, Matt Lassay, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.